delving into the lives of extraordinary people can ignite our imaginations and help us define a vision for our own lives. Today we're talking with Catholic scholar and homeschooling dad, Joseph Pierce, about the inspirational power of biographies. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today we're talking with Joseph Pierce about the inspirational power of biographies. A native of England, Joseph Pierce is the internationally acclaimed author of many books, which include bestsellers such as The Quest for Shakespeare, Tolkien, Man and Myth, The Unmasking of Oscar Wilde, C.S. Lewis and the Catholic Church, Literary Converts, Wisdom and Innocence, A Life of G.K. Chesterton, Souls and Itzen, A Soul in Exile, and Old Thunder, A Life of Hilaire Belloc. His books have been published and translated into Spanish, Portuguese, French, Dutch, Italian, Korean, Mandarin, Croatian, and Polish. Funny that I stopped being able to speak English while saying that. (laughs) He has hosted two 13-part television series about Shakespeare on EWTN and has also written and presented documentaries on EWTN on the Catholicism of the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. His verse drama, Death Comes for the War Poets, was performed off-Broadway to critical acclaim. He has participated and lectured at a wide variety of international and literary events at major colleges and universities in the U.S., Canada, Britain, Europe, Africa, and South America. Joseph is the director of book publishing at the Augustine Institute and editor of the St. Austin Review series editor of the Ignatius Critical Editions, senior instructor with Homeschool Connections, and senior contributor at the Imaginative Conservative. His personal website is jpierce.co. That's J-P-E-A-R-C-E dot C-O, not dot com. That's not a typo. Welcome back, Joseph. It's so good to have you again. It's so good to be back with you. Great. It's just exciting. I just want to mention to our listeners that there are two other episodes that will be in our show notes that Joseph did with us last season that are just superb, and I'll mention them again later. But today we're talking about biographies, and you've written so many, and and some of them are my most cherished books. What do you personally love about biographies? Well, you know, one good thing about reading a biography and and what's even better about writing and researching a biography is you really get to know the person about whom you're writing. So, for instance, my first biography was A a Life of uh, G.K. Chesterton. And G.K. Chesterton was the biggest single influence under grace in my conversion. And I always say that, uh, that that first book was an act of thanksgiving, an act of thanksgiving to God for giving me Chesterton but also an act of thanksgiving to Chesterton for giving me God. So being able to delve and dive into Chesterton's life enabled me to spend months very intimately in his company and to get to know him much better. And what a joy it was. If you can't meet someone, if you like, in in real life, at least by reading or writing a biography, we can get to know them much, much better. So that's why I sometimes say that that many of my best friends are dead. (laughs) 
<laughs> it might it might hinder people from wanting to become your friends, Joseph. <laughs> but I just want to say <laughs> most of them also in heaven. I should add, though. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, okay, so you helped them along, maybe. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so I just want to say that the your love for Chesterton and the power that he had in your life, your connection with that inspirational power comes through so beautifully in that book. I mean, I'm just just showing you like one of my best friends in the world now is G.K. Chesterton after having read that biography, your your biography of him. Well, as you can see, he's, he's keeping an eye on me over my shoulder there. So. Yeah. yeah, and I can't tell you how often I think of him, just the joy of his life, the way he loved people, just the big heartedness and the gentleness of, of that remarkable man. Amen. Yeah, and and of course there are those who we, who you know well uh, who are interested in opening his cause for sainthood, which I'm praying for as well. Yeah. So, how have biographies inspired or changed you? Well, obviously, if you get to know some of these giants about whom I've written, and one of my books is called Catholic Literary Giants, and I spent a lot of time with Catholic literary giants in writing biographies of them. That it's you know that, that you actually learn from them. I mean, you learn a sanctity. You talk about Chesterton's holiness and gentleness. It rubs off. So you, you sanctity and sanity and strength and fortitude, courage, heroism. It's in the biography of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, I mean, what a what a, what a giant of a man is standing up against the tyranny of communism and secularism, um, and that's heartwarming. And also very encouraging in the literal sense of the word, it gives us courage. Yes, yes, absolutely. It ignites our imaginations. We start to see the human connection between ourselves and these incredible people. When, when has that happened for you? Well, basically, with all of the people I've written about, and somehow or other, they've touched my lives either before I wrote the biography. Uh, we mentioned Chesterton, Solzhenitsyn was another major influence upon my conversion, Hilaire Belloc. So various of the people I've written about um, have, have, have touched me and changed me before I wrote the biographies. And in some sense, the biographies were a desire on the one part, on the one hand, for me to get to know them better, uh, to engage more closely with these friendships that, that had meant so much to me already, but also to enable other people to, to experience the strength and the wisdom and the holiness of these people and the lessons they can teach us. So there's definitely that. And there's also one or two people I've written about that I've been asked to write about, commissioned to write about, that it's allowed me to get to know them better. And it's always a joy to get to know new friends. So I was asked to write a biography of Father Holang, the founder of the Missionaries of the Poor in Jamaica. I was asked to write a biography of Tom Wanahan, the founder of Domino's Pizza and at Arvin Marie University. So here, here are two very different people. The billionaire who lived a sort of life of luxury before rediscovering his, his childhood faith. And, and Father Holang, who's sometimes called the male Mother Teresa, you know, that lives a life of uh, real poverty. So, you, you know, you all, just experiencing these very different people and their very different lives is, allows me to grow in the space that, they, that they, they provide. And I hope it allows those who read the biographies to have that sense of growth also. Yeah, and, and you are known in your critical editions of existing works and also in your biographies as being someone who really cherishes and as an instructor at Homeschool Connections, 
really cherishes understanding the authentic viewpoint of the person in their time and place rather than trying to impose our modern sensibilities on them or an agenda of some kind. Can you say a little bit about that, Joseph? Why is that important? Well, at the most fundamental level, to love, which is literally the most important thing for all of us to do, to love is to want to know the other person. To love is to make space and time for the other person. So if we're going to read an author's work, the first thing we need to do is love them. And that means we need to see them for who they are and where they are, get to know them, and let, let them speak to us and, and give their work to us, their novel or their play or their poetry, to us in their eyes, through their eyes, so we actually get to know them and get to grow in the space again that they provide us. The alternative is to see their works with pride and prejudice, uh, and we don't become friends. We're not loving. We're refusing to love. And in consequence, we get a very truncated and shriveled and, and very far from authentic understanding of, of, of the, the depth and breadth of the work. Wow. Are there certain qualities in the lives of, of people who have either been suggested to you or over the years that you've chosen to write about that really inspire you to, to delve into their lives? Well, again, for the most part, it's people that have touched me. So again, Chesterton, Belloc, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien. But sometimes I'm provoked into writing a life. So for instance, my biography, uh, The Unmasking of Oscar Wilde, was, uh, was a response to those who had tried to make Wilde somehow a spokesman for the, the homosexual agenda and the pride agenda, when Oscar Wilde, in fact, was received into the Catholic Church on his deathbed, and that was the consummation of a lifelong love affair. Now, he wasn't necessarily the most faithful of lovers, but the point is that love affair was, was, was the defining aspect of his life. And you don't understand Oscar Wilde unless you understand the centrality of Christ in his life and work. So I was provoked by this effort to hijack Oscar Wilde to, to actually bring him back to, again, seeing him through his own eyes. This is who he is and who he saw himself as being. Don't try to impose some agenda upon him which does not belong. Wow. Wow. And as you were writing about that, as you were provoked to investigate his life, can you describe the kind of connection that happened with your subject and yourself and, and, and any others that, that come to your mind? Well, of, of course, we're, we're called to love people, all right? And, and, and not just our family, which is for the most part usually easy, uh, but, but also to love our neighbor and also to love our enemy. And we have to understand that history is, not even was, history is played out in God's omnipresence. In other words, the whole of history is present to God. So in that sense, we need to see those who lived before us uh, as neighbors. So I, I actually want to know these people as friends and neighbors who are contemporaries of mine because they are still alive in that omnipresent understanding of things. And so I, I, I want to get to know Oscar Wilde. And sometimes, you know, some people like Chesterton are so together, you just go with the flow. But other people like Oscar Wilde and, and, and the Catholic poet Roy Campbell, uh, on whom I wrote a biography, they're so, such complex and conflicted characters who have all sorts of weakness and weaknesses and problems. You almost have to wrestle with them to try to understand why are they doing what they're doing. But friendship 
is about trying to understand other people, even if they're doing things you think are wrong or reprehensible. You don't just sit there scornfully condemning. You try to understand why you're doing that and, and, and get, to, get to know them. And then hopefully, if you do the job well, to share that knowledge you've gained through the research uh, with those who are going to read the book. Wow, what a powerful insight that, that our society needs so badly right now, this sense of being able to make space for another person. And, and also to have uh, space for those people who came before us, because one of the uh, prevailing errors of our own time is contempt for the past. That basically, the past has nothing at all to teach us. And that's arrogant. It's, it's, you know, Jane Austen, that great philosopher, you know, pride and prejudice go together. And, and we live in a very proud age that is prejudiced against our neighbors who lived before us. And, you know, I, I, I like to see the whole of humanity as present. Obviously, we can't see those who have not yet, that are not yet born, that we are responsible to ensure that they have an inheritance. That's our, we have to pass the torch. But those who have lived before us are present to us. Uh, we live, if you like, in what they've given us. So I, 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 I like to, to see that our neighbours, as even those that live before us, as being present to us. And I hope my biographies enable that to be the case. Yeah, and there's this sense in modern times, which we've seen in the past, we've seen in other socialist revolutions around the world, this tearing down of the past, this disconnectedness from it, so that we don't get to stand in the knowledge of the wisdom, the experience and the beauty that has unfolded before us, it gets stripped away and becomes this barren thing. Well, the, the danger is, you know, that if you, do, if you refuse to treat the past seriously as a friend, you will be ignorant of it. And if you're ignorant of the past, you will be condemned to repeat the mistakes of the past. So within the last century, only a century, just a little bit longer than the lifetime of a man, communism has been responsible for killing at least 60 million people, possibly and probably many more than that, possibly over 100 million people. And yet now we have a younger generation that still thinks it's okay. And you can only think that if you're completely ignorant of, of its track record. Right. Just off the top of our heads, we can think Mao, Pol Pot, if I'm saying the right people, Stalin, probably so many others in South America. Uh, the, the, Eastern Europe, the, and you haven't mentioned Lenin. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. Their name is Legion, and, and, we, and we need to learn the lesson. If we don't learn the lesson, then we will be condemned killing millions of people again because we're going to make the same mistakes. Yeah, so as individuals and as a culture, we draw value from, from knowing authentically the lives and the viewpoints and the learning and the mistakes of the people who came before us. Yeah, amen. So obviously so timely for our culture in the U.S. and in other places as well. How can we use biographies in our homeschools? What would you suggest? Well, I think it's important for us to know the people who write the works of literature that we read. And, and so I, I would say that it would be good. Um, I would even like to think that we could think about having courses uh, looking at the lives of writers rather than just looking at the works of writers so we get to know them better why they wrote what they wrote 
and uh, I hadn't even thought about it before. This is sort of a moment of inspiration here. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> they're right. open so for, for submissions for next year, Joseph. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking, I got the email yesterday from Maureen. So, okay, what do I want to teach uh, in the summer? But maybe maybe this, is ha- this has been an inspirational moment. Yay. <laughs> Okay, so getting to know those who write the books that we love and taking an online course. And I'm sure that as you start to do that, because now I'm going to really push you, (laughs) not that I have any influence at all, but then we could, what are some thoughts just off the top of your head of ways that you would invite students to step into that process of knowing the author? Well, I, 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 would, I would recommend the students make a point of knowing the authors as people. Um, and, and in order to do that, of course, they do have to become knowledgeable of the biographies. They can, of course, go and buy the biographies, including mine. And certainly I'm now thinking, you know, that, that as regards possible courses, you could teach, I could teach an overview. There's Catholic Literary Giants, just with one class on each of six giant writers or we could go into more detail and I could teach a course on the man who was G.K. Chesterton, the man who was Hilaire Belloc, the man who was J.R.R. Tolkien, etc. and just do it as a biographical study rather than as looking at the works. I've never even thought about this before. I don't know why, but thank you for being (laughs) catalytic. Yay! Being a catalyst. I am a total strengths finder geek and I have activator at number three, so I just activated you. Thank you. Really cool. I'm so honored. Okay, so what would be some objectives then to set for kind of maximizing the impact of these great life stories in our children's lives? How do you do that? Well, again, uh, I, I do think that as well, for instance, I'll give you an example. Our, our own daughter, Evangeline, discovered, I can't remember what the series is called now, but they're very, when she was younger, very slim volumes of just lives of great Americans. And, and, and she was just interested in the people. And to me, it's the most natural thing in the world to want to know someone. Right. It's also very natural for us to want to have a story told to us. I mean, that's also part of who we are. But to know someone and of course, to know someone, the person's life is itself a story. So you actually in some ways get the best of both worlds because you're still getting the story. Everybody's life is a life story and a life journey that has a beginning, a middle and an end like a work of literature. But you're getting to know the person who's not a fictional character, but a real life person. And then once you do that, you get to know the actual works of literature that they produce much better because you know where they're coming from. Yeah, it gives you that access. And I feel like, too, it just continues to open up our own sense of ourselves as human beings. And it occurred to me as you were describing it with, so, with such a connection to your heart, that act of knowing someone uh, or seeking to know someone out of love, that it feels to me like an impulse embedded in us so that we seek God, that we seek the good and the true and the beautiful in others. Well, certainly, you know, that there's no way ultimately to come to the face of God except through the face of our neighbor. I mean, that's what Jesus himself teaches us, you know, love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor. So if we don't love our neighbor, we're never going to see the face of God. So we do have to learn to see the face of God in our neighbor, the face of Jesus Christ in the person that we see on the street. And, 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 if, and if we can't do that, then we have an issue as regards our own relationship with Jesus himself. Yeah, exactly. That, that willingness to look. And one of my favorite saints, St. Saint Therese of Lucia, the little flower, talked about 
looking for the good in another being the greatest of pleasures. And it's something our society doesn't do. We're so comparison heavy with avatars and social media and everything that we don't necessarily get to know other people. We compare ourselves and it divides us and it sends us into this place of never being enough. Whereas if we're doing what you're describing, Joseph, the dynamic really shifts, doesn't it? Yeah, in fact, in the moment, we live in a narcissistic culture, and the whole point of narcissist and narcissism is that you love yourself alone. Uh, you look at you, you're, you're always being self-referential. You're, you're, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. You're not looking in the face of other people. And that's the world, the radical, relativistic, prideful culture we live in. That's what we're doing. We're isolating ourselves and alienating ourselves from our neighbors. And it's not, by the way, uh, this path of selfishness, a path of happiness. Now, we, because we refuse to love our neighbor, we are miserable. That's why, that's why drug addiction and suicide and all of these byproducts of, of, of despair are rampant in our society because in, in believing that loving yourself is the path to happiness is a lie. That basically, you can only love yourself in deference to your love of neighbor. Yeah, amen. And when I was a young actress a million years ago, a great teacher said to us, compare equals despair. And it may have been derived from some great author. Maybe you can recognize the, the true origins of that. But it's really true. When we're constantly measuring ourselves against someone else, it either diminishes the other person or lifts us up in this false and kind of haughty way um, that can't last. It's fragile. It's not founded in anything real or good. And so, yeah, so our society really is and, suffering. And our neighbors should not be seen as rivals or enemies, but as, but as friends and lovers. Um, and, 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 and that's a challenge, of course, because our neighbors are often have views that are hostile to ours. And it's very difficult to love someone who's hostile to you. And, it may be, and, and that's part of the, the, the path to sanctity, by right? being able to love our enemy. Is the, is, 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 the, is the way to Jesus Christ, because that's, the, that's what he did. I mean, the, the crucifixion is the ultimate symbol in real life of a man's love for his enemies. That's what we're called to, and it's easier said than done, and I'm not sort of, you know, saying being blasé and just go out and do it. Well, it actually takes, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of patience. It takes growth spiritually, um, and it might be, a, might be a lifetime's work but what we, all we need to be seeing is progress in the right direction. And as long as we're moving in the right direction, then all is well. All manner of things are well, as Julian and Norwich uh, would say. That It's when we see ourselves moving in the wrong direction, we need to be concerned. Mm, yeah, all manner of things will be well. And, and I love that Chesterton himself, I feel like we need to fast track that canonization because what a role model for being out in the public square of ideas and being so charitable and inviting to people of other points of view. The, the, mo the, the most powerful lesson, I think, I mean, he taught many powerful lessons, but for me, the one that I take, take with me uh, every day of my life is that he said of his relationship with his brother, he said, we were always arguing, but we never quarreled. Now, and this whole idea of, you know, being engaged with people who disagree with you, but never actually losing charity. And the fact at the end of his life, Chesterton, who spent his whole life arguing with just about everybody, had no enemies. I mean, people who completely opposed his Catholic philosophy and way of life, such as H.G. Wells and George Bernard Shaw, who were very hostile to Catholicism, loved G.K. Chesterton. I mean, this is the, this is the real test. 
Yes, it's remarkable. And I think of Chesterton's good friend, Hilaire Belloc, who was much more of a scrapper and did alienate some of those same people. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think he's, he, was, he was appropriately named Hilaire Belloc because I say, you know, Belloc's a bellicosity because he was a very <laughs> bellicose person. And he said when, when, when Chesterton died, Belloc wrote a short book called On the Place of Gilbert Keith Chesterton in the English Letters. And he said that Chesterton you know, refused to go for the kill in, in, in a debate and, uh, and a discussion. And this sometimes it, uh, dulled his effectiveness. But Belloc then said, but no matter, he's in heaven. Mm. In other words, that ultimately winning that particular battle is not as important as winning the final battle. Mm, amen, amen. Uh, take us out with your final thoughts on this whole idea of, of the inspirational power of biography, Joseph. Well, I, 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 I as, a, as a, um, a convert to the faith, was hugely influenced by other converts. And my book, Literary Converts, if you like, is an effort to, to show that movement of, of, of conversion. And I wanted to know those people better. And I think we need to know the giants uh, that have, have had such an impact upon our culture better. And the best way of doing that is to, is to read a good biography of them. It doesn't need to be a good biography like everything else. You've got to, pick, you've got to make sure you're, you're, you're going to good authors who understand their subject. But we need to know these people. And we can know them through their works, of course, but more obliquely. But to know them more directly, we need a good life story so we can actually see their journey from birth to death and everything they did gloriously in between. Mm, yeah. And, and uh, I'd just like to say, too, if anyone listening has not read Joseph's autobiography, Race with the Devil, it is so compelling. Such an opportunity to read a real page turner. It's one you just simply cannot put down. And, and likewise, A Quest for Shakespeare reads like a thriller. Just a fabulous read. We, uh, don't start reading it right before bedtime because you'll be up all night. Um, but, uh, but it's great bedside reading, too. I also want to just remind you, you can find Joseph in all of his various uh, efforts and, and initiatives and even an opportunity to have a membership at his site. He's at jpierce.co. That's j-p-e-a-r-c-e.co, not .com. And also take a look at two, two episodes that Joseph did with us last year, episodes 8 and 13, and those links are in the show notes. 8 is the role of the father in homeschooling, just beautiful. You've got to listen to that one if you haven't already, especially those of you new to homeschooling. Lots of us gathering together now. And number 13 is inspiring your children to love literature, which dovetails beautifully with our discussion today. Uh, you can also find links to his Ignatius Critical Editions, Homeschool Connections, and staustinreview.org, where you can find Joseph's work as well. Joseph, I can't thank you enough. It's always so inspiring to talk with you. My pleasure is also, Lisa. Thanks for having me. God bless you. God bless you, too. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hello, my homeschooling friend. I'm Celeste Behe, and this is the Homeschool Housefly. You know, from his perch on the wall of our living room, Frankie the housefly has witnessed some less than pretty homeschool scenes during these past 30 years. Math meltdowns, 
history, histrionics, science experiments gone wrong. But Frankie has also seen moments of homeschool heaven when all the kids were sitting quietly and reading biographies. Yes, biographies. Biographies are relatable, usually accessible, and often inspiring. Why should biographies be on your homeschool reading list? Here are three reasons. Number one, biographies are about real people doing noteworthy things. Who isn't inspired by tales of people who have made the world a better place and, more often than not, have had to overcome challenges in the process? And think of the life stories of saints and what they can teach our kids about the impact that holy, humble men and women can have just by taking small steps after the manner of St. Therese and her little way. These aren't just life lessons. They're eternal life lessons. Number two, biographies make history come alive. Historical events are much more real and relevant when they are experienced by actual people instead of by faceless figures in a dull ramble of names and dates. My daughter Helen, when it came to the Civil War, knew very little and cared even less. And then she read a biography of Robert E. Lee and was impressed by Lee's character. It sparked her interest in the people and events of the Civil War, and eventually Helen became a Civil War reenactor, all as a result of her reading of that one biography. Number three, there's a biography for every interest. Three years ago, when my son Gerard was interested in piloting planes, he absolutely devoured Charles Lindbergh's biography, The Spirit of St. Louis. More recently, Father Walter Chiswick's biography, He Leadeth Me, has inspired Gerard to discern a possible vocation. Whether your child loves animals or technology, sports or government, there is a biography that will feed his interest. Reading about the real-life experiences of someone who shares your child's passion is a foolproof way to enrich and broaden your child's understanding of the things he fancies. Biographies are books about real people and true events that target your child's interest. Add some to your curriculum and write your own happy ending. I'm Celeste Behe, and this is The Homeschool Housefly. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.